0: Excited um, for many reasons. I was so excited. Thank you for letting me share that in my class. Um, I would love for you to hear from them personally, so feel free to go to them, hee <laughs> hee, and they will tell you their story. Um, but it's powerful. It's powerful. There's you know, we as the Riggs team, we call ourselves now Team Riggs, and we have we got to a point, you know, the first several years of ministry, man, we just said yes to everything. We did 50 different things. How many of you know when you do 50 different things, you can't really be excellent at 50 things? And you really got to narrow it down to two or three things, that you're just going to pour your guts into it. And we really have done that. Um, the call, Foster Kids, obviously, is a big one of them. And, and, and this financial journey of just helping people and ourselves, because we do not have it all together, but... Um, to biblically get on track, and to see people come out of financial strains and realize that there's a different way. Um, it's just a powerful empowerment um, to see, you know, I think of Miss Jill, and she's one of my best friends in the church. And, you know, she lost her husband, Don, uh, almost two years now. And, and Miss um, and Jill will tell you, she can, she can shop with the best of them. The best of them, ain't that right? And she came to the class a couple weeks ago, and she said, guess what? I was like, oh no, you didn't fall off the wagon, did you? And she was like, I went shopping for two days. And I was like, oh God, we are not gonna use your testimony. <laughs> she was like, I got a hotel. I was like, oh my gosh. This is how you don't do FPU. And she was like, I shopped for 48 hours straight. I was like, oh God. She said, "I spent fifty-five dollars." Like, right on, Miss Jill, right on. So God is so good, and I encourage everybody to get involved with our next class. We're I'm working with this group of people; they've become my little advocacy group, and and I'm gonna work with them to find a good time to do this class again. And I encourage you, whether you're in debt or you're out of debt, whether you're rich or poor, man, go through this class. It's so biblically foundational and. Just to get around other people that's not afraid to be transparent is an awesome thing, and you will grow in your faith, you will be encouraged, and there will be so much more peace that you can be in. Amen? This morning, um, I'm going to steal a line from T.D. Jakes, and um, I am impregnated in the spirit this morning. Some of you are like, what in the world did he just say? Let me be clear, I did not say impregnated in the natural form. I said, in the spirit, there's a big difference. Um, I have a word of God just bubbling up inside of me uh, that I am so very excited about. Funny story, um, a couple years ago, or several years ago, we was at church camp in Tennessee, and there's this guy that came from Missouri. He was a Pentecostal brother, and he was literally six seven, about 290 pounds. When he walked into the room, we just got in singing it, things began to happen. I mean, it was like you begin to think this guy's just going to kill everybody. And, and one time he, before service, we'd grab arms with the teenagers. We'd pray for the service because they're like three, four, five-hour services. And, and uh, we'd pray and just call upon the name of the Lord and prepare our minds and hearts. Well, well, one Tuesday night, I think it was, he came in our group. I mean, I opened my eye and I was like, what is he doing? He's going to freak these kids out. I mean, he is way up there. And he grabs the kids' hands, and, he, and I'm like, well, pray, brother. And he starts calling upon the thunder and the lightning of God. And I'm like opening my eye because some of our kids are not used to that. And they're just like, and I, just as loud as he can, so he goes, Dear God, in the name of Jesus, circumcise the hearts of these teenagers. And you, <laughs> I had about 14 teenagers, Rev, just look at me. Like, get me out of here. He's about to go, Old Testament, Abraham, circumcision, we're out. But um, needless to say, there were some hard circumcised and some kids got saved and received the. But you know, you got to be careful with that Christian lingo, you know, the Christianese kind of stuff. You got to be careful with that because you could freak some non believers out. You could even freak some Christians out. But I am excited about the Word of God. Stand to your feet this morning in honor of the reading of the Word of God and go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. It's an honor always to take the pulpit and I honor my pastor as always for giving me the opportunity as he always has these last 13 to 14 years Hebrews chapter 11 let's look at verse 30 I'm like pastor I love hearing the pages turn verse 30 By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Everybody say faith. Faith. Verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Everybody say faith. faith. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David, Samuel, and the prophets, verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, verse 34, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Out of weakness, we made strong. I want to preach to you this morning from the thought, in weakness comes strength. Father, we bless the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for the faithful men and women of First Assembly. God, I thank you for those that made a choice to visit us today. God, I pray in the name of Jesus as I've prayed, Father, Many times, even this morning, let preaching be easy in this house. Let there not be one distraction among us. Holy Spirit, move about our ears and our hearts, God. Let us receive your word. I remove myself from this equation. Lord, I am nothing. You are everything. God, I pray that we would all leave this place better than the way we came in because of your word. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Now, if you would, go back to Judges, the sixth chapter. Judges, the sixth chapter. We are going to go line upon line and precept upon precept, as the prophet Isaiah spoke of. Judges, chapter six. It's become one of my favorite styles of preaching, and that is just reading the word of God and letting God do his thing. There's nothing wrong with notes, pastors talked about that, but sometimes, man, you just come up with the Word of God and some chicken chicken scratch, and the Holy Spirit takes over, and that's what I got this morning, and I'm thankful for that. There's more peace, if if you'll realize that, there's more peace when you just completely commit to the Word of God than sitting at a desk trying to look through uh, information and what topic I should preach on, and, and I had a conversation with some of my leaders Wednesday about that and how I think that, Not only myself, but just youth pastors in general have failed over the years of of allowing the pressure of entertaining kids and teenagers really overcome the whole process of what the scripture is. Wednesday, we didn't turn off any lights. We didn't turn on, I didn't even bring my computer. We didn't have any music. All we did is went back there and got into the word of God, and the kids were so in tune and so focused and so fired up um, that we just don't need all that stuff, amen, amen. Amen? We don't need that distraction. And I love when we can just speak the Word of God because the Bible says when we speak the Word of God, something has to happen. Understand that. When you open your mouth at home, when you open your mouth uh, in the marketplace and you speak the Word of God, that Word has to do something in Jesus' name. Amen? And if we would believe that, we would be more verbal with Scripture. We would get into Scripture more if we knew the power that the Scripture holds. Amen? So the book of Judges, I love the book of Judges. I've always said that it could be one of the best movies or, or, or s- series of movies of all time. Judges, if you read it, if, if you're not familiar with scripture and you jump into the first six, seven verses of chapter one, you will be freaked out because in the first, verses, uh, first few verses of Judges in chapter one, it has about 10,000 people getting slaughtered and it has a guy getting his thumbs and his big toes cut off. Welcome to church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're a new believer or you're interested in Scripture, don't start there. All right, Start in the book of John. But it's very interesting. And if you know anything about Judges, and I love where Pastor's at right now and and what's been coming from this stage. And I I love when he talks about the the importance of setting up the verse. When you read the Bible, he spoke of Jeremiah 29 and 11 and how, you know, I know the plans I have for you saith the Lord. And so many times in our culture, it's just like, let's hold the hand and walk through the the roses and say that verse. And and then there's, you know, other verses like the Apostle Paul, you know, I find, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and 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 John 3:16 and all these verses and and if you would realize where those verses are coming from so many times those verses are coming from weakness so many times those verses are coming from a dark place of of slavery, So many times those verses are, are not necessarily verses that when he, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's not so you can hit two or three layups in a row or have a good basketball game like our culture it creates it. We're putting on basketball shoes now, and, and one basketball shoe even has, I can do all things. They left off the Christ part and said, I can do all things. And, and, but if you realize where that verse is coming from, then you will really connect to it in any form of your life, especially when you're weak. And, and that's where we're at today in the book of Judges. And, and before Judges, we have to understand what's going on before the book of Judges, and that's the book of Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, he's leading the Israelites to the promised land, and I preached on that I think a couple of months ago about crossing the Jordan and the importance of Joshua taking over for Moses and completing the task of taking the Israelites into the promised land. Well, well now we're in the promised land and, and the only problem is there's really not a leader. Joshua has died and, and, and they've entered this new land. The Israelites have entered this new place and, and, and there's people dwelling in that place already. That's important to notice. A lot of people think they just showed up in this open, barren land and then things begin to happen. There was other people in the land and and people of different beliefs and different faith systems and and that's where we get to Judges because the kings haven't came yet. That's after Judges. There's not a one specific king of the north or southern tribe. There's just... Judges And Judges speaks of 13 of them. And, and they're not necessarily the judges that you think of with a gavel and sitting up on the stand in a courtroom. A lot of these are military leaders and, 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 and very strategic and trying to bring order. How many of you know when you take a bunch of people that just got out of slavery to a new land and there's other people there that really didn't know they were coming, there's going to be a little chaos if there's no leadership. Leadership is very important. So that's where we're at. In Judges, in the first five chapters, read it on your own. We're, we're introduced to some of the judges, uh, Barak and, and Deborah. It's very familiar. The prophet is Deborah. And good things begin to happen. And when you read, almost like most of the Old Testament, you'll read that Israel was, was peaceful for 30, 40 years. And the next chapter will start off with, the Israelites disobeyed. And then it'll say they were peaceful for 20, 30 years. And then it'll say, then they disobeyed. And then it was just a cycle over and over again. And if you look at the last verse in chapter 5, Deborah, the prophetess, the judge, just came out of a a time where they're singing a song in chapter 5 of victory and and, and success. And I love what she says in verse 2, or what the Bible says in verse 2. It says, when leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord, willingly offer themselves. And then the last verse of the fifth chapter, it says, so the land had rest for 40 years. There was peace. There was peace in the land for 40 years. But then we get to chapter six, a very familiar chapter, and we look at the story of Gideon. And I'm not going into the, the seventh and eighth chapter. I want you to read that later on today while it's fresh on your mind. We're not gonna talk necessarily about how God dwindled down the army. We're gonna look at before all that began to happen. I think a lot of times we don't look at that enough. So let's pick it up in verse one of chapter six. There was peace, and then all of a sudden in verse one, the Bible says, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years and the hand of midian prevailed against israel because of the midianites the children of israel made for themselves the dens the caves and the strongholds which are in the mountains now i talked about this with my teenagers that's a powerful verse when it says the lord delivered them he handed over the israelites into the enemy's hand why in the world would a loving god hand over his people to the camp to the enemy camp disobedience we, God is a Father, amen. How many of you know, and I had to do it a lot? Yes, I know my wife and I do it a lot yesterday. We had seven ball games yesterday, and, 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 and you have to disobey your children. You know, disobey You have to discipline your children. And sometimes you don't like to do that, but you do it because you love them. You want them to learn. My older boys are getting in that preteen thing, and I just got to become a teacher. I can't be their youth pastor. I got to be their daddy, and I got to teach them, and it's important that we do that, and that's what God is doing here. He's trying to teach the Israelites something, and the Bible says the Midianites. If you know anything about the Midianites, the Midianites was the enemy camp that came from the east that basically came into the camp of Israel, and the Bible says that Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel had to flee. They had to flee to dens and caves, and they had to go to the mountains. We've been to Israel, and it's unbelievable. You see the mountainous region, region, and you'll see these little clefts in the rocks. And the Israelites had to go to these places to survive. They had to leave the openness of of Israel, and they had to go to these rocks and and hewn out little clefts and caves to hide in because the enemies was coming in. Look at verse 3. So it was a very weak moment for the Israelites verse three so it was whenever Israel had sown Midianites would come up also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza if you know anything about Gaza that's all the way through Israel on the southwest side and leave no sustenance for Israel neither sheep nor ox nor donkey For they would come up, the Midianites, with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So here comes the Midianites, not just 2,003, a bunch of them. So much, as far as you can see, it's Midianites and and, and their artillery and everything that they got. They're coming for the Israelites to take over. The Israelites have no ground to sow in. They have no garden to till. they got to feed themselves. It is a weak point for Israel in this moment. It is... In this section of the Bible, it's one of their weakest points. They're starving. They're having to sleep in rocks and caves, and these people are just coming as far as Gaza. They're not just barely coming in. They're going all the way through it to destroy it, the Bible says. Verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. How many of you know that's a good idea to cry out to the Lord when something like that happens? But how many of you know it's good to cry out to the Lord when everything's good, too? we got to learn that, church family, as Christians, that we shouldn't wait until our home gets destroyed. We shouldn't wait until somebody gets sick to cry out the name of Jesus. So so many times the Israelites did that. They rebelled, they rebelled, they rebelled, they rebelled. Then all hell would break loose, and then we'll go to God. And that's something we can learn from the Israelites, is that God wants us to go to him if it's good or bad. If it's dark or light, he wants us to go to him at all times. Verse 7, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, Because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet, an unnamed prophet, to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. How many of you know it's good to remind yourself of what God has done for you in your life? The prophet was reminding the Israelites, do I have to go back and rewind what I did for you? I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I gave you a new land. I guarded you. I was your safety net. Let me remind you of all these things. How many times do we get in that point in life where we're just at a weak state of life? Whether it be finances, whether it be somebody sick, whether it be our marriage. And sometimes the best thing to go to is that reminder of what he has done. Come on, somebody. I don't think we remind ourselves. I don't think we go back to the testimony. I don't think we give our testimony enough to ourselves. Not the church family, but to ourselves. God, you saved me. God, you died on the cross for me. You provided me when I was in complete rebellion of you. Come on, somebody. I gotta remind myself, and I get happy when I remind myself. Even in the low state when I'm complaining and gropping, and, and I'm at a weak point in my life, if I remind myself, What that represents, not only 2,000 years ago, but what it represented for me. Come on, somebody. You'll find strength in your weakness. In weakness comes strength. In weakness comes strength. Look at verse 10. So the prophet's reminding Israel. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites. Do not fear what's going on in America. Do not fear what's on the news. Do not fear what's being plastered all over social media. Do not fear. But you have not obeyed my voice. Always goes back to obedience, Kelly, right? Always goes back to obedience, Jeff. No matter who you are, it always, no matter if you're the Israelites or the Gentiles, it always goes back to obedience. Are we obeying God? Verse 11, we're introduced to Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an orpah, not Oprah, she wasn't there, I promise, which belonged to Joash the Aborazite, while his son Gideon, Joash's Gideon's dad, threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. I don't know if you know anything about threshing wheat or a wine press. We've seen some pretty cool things that had to do with that in Israel, but you do not thresh wheat in a wine press. You need an open forum to thresh wheat. The Israelites were such in a weak state, they had to find whatever they had to do to make it happen. So Gideon, his family are worshiping Baal, false idols. He's got idols literally in his backyard. He's in the wine press threshing wheat, right? Doesn't even make sense. It's like washing your clothes in the dishwasher. Doesn't make sense. Might work, might try. So Gideon is in a weak state. His family is a mess. Hear that, somebody. His family's a mess. His daddy's a Baal worshiper. There's, there's idols set up in his backyard. There's not Christian posters plastered all over his room. It's idols. It's everything against God. He's spending for himself, trying to feed his family, trying to feed his people. Verse 12. And then the angel of the Lord shows up. Isn't it interesting that the angel of the Lord shows up in our weakest states? Listen to missionaries. Listen to people that stand on a stage and give their testimonies. It wasn't in their greatest moment where they had everything together. It was in their weakest moment that they heard from God. And some of you are here and you're in your weakest moment of your life. You might be 67, you might be 20, 30, but you're in a weak point in your life. You need to understand this is prime time moment for you to hear from God. You don't have to have it all together. When God spoke to me about getting my stuff right, I was at the lowest of lows spiritually. I was so far away from God, you can ask my mother. So far away from God. But that's when God spoke to me in my weakness. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord shows up and he appears to Gideon and says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I'm in a wine press threshing wheat. My family's dying because there ain't no food. We're living in a hole in a rock. And you come to me and tell me I'm a mighty man of valor. Come on, somebody. What would your reaction be? I know what mine would be. Look around. Ain't nothing mighty about this, Jack. We're eating Raymond noodles. <laughs> Peeing in the outhouse. There ain't nothing mighty about this. I have failed as a man of God. I have failed as a man of God. How many of you know that the moments that us pastors, our greatest moments are not when we stand on this stage and, and preach a good sermon, or or, or we, it's the things that you don't see at the house when the day ain't going so well, and I ain't been in the Word as much as I should, and I got forty-seven kids coming through my house asking me eight million questions. I didn't know a human being could ask so many questions until I got daughters. Question on question, it don't even make sense. Rev, you know, that doesn't even make sense. I ain't even answered the first one and you're on number seven. But that's when God looks at me and says, you mighty man of valor. I'm ready to use you. I'm ready to use you in your weakest state. I can't tell you how many times I've had a rough day or something's been going on and God has just ordained a moment with a stranger or somebody in the marketplace. And then I look back and go, oh my God, that was the Holy Spirit, because I wasn't prepared for anything like that. Let me give you a prime example. The other night, didn't know it was gonna happen until that afternoon. Seth and Katie, it was their birthdays. They're one and two now. Thank God, we're out of the months thing. Okay, don't give me she's 12 months. She's one, okay? Some of you people take it way too far. My kid's 74 months old. No, it's not. He's got a whole number. My kid's three years old and four months. No, he's not. He's three. I hate that. My kid is his age until his birthday. No months. He's that age. Come on, somebody. That'll preach right there. We go out to eat. Luann, who she's been coming to church, is Katie and Seth's grandma. She comes, and then here comes Will. Daddy, and here comes Sylvia, mama. Will brings his girlfriend. Hadn't seen Sylvia since court, and we sit down at a table at Las Platas for three hours. In my weakest point, I was strong. In their weakest point, he was strong. We walked away from that, and we got home, and I looked at Dana and I said, what just happened? She said, God is in control. In your weakest point, he's strong. In weakness comes strength. Gideon just heard from an angel of the Lord, you mighty man of valor. Look at verse 13. Gideon said to him, "Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Exactly what we would have said goes back to what we've been talking about a little bit on Wednesday night. Everybody you read about in scripture is just like me and you. They're humans. And when you read the word of God like that and you understand that God can use you just like you use those people, that's a powerful thing. Then you realize, God, it doesn't matter how weak I am, you're strong. Here I am, I'm gonna be obedient. Gideon says, why? Look around, What's, how? Verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said to this, watch this. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? What might? What might are you talking about, God? Faith. His faith. That's all we got, folks. That's all we got. I know I just got to talk about finances. It do not matter how much money you got in the bank. It doesn't matter about your toys. It doesn't matter who you are, your title. It's the faith. It's the faith factor. The Lord said, You got all you need, and that's faith. Now go, you mighty man of valor. I tell you that today. You're here, and, and our culture has created this such a thing in church where, where you feel like you're so insignificant. I heard my one of my sixth graders say in Sunday school, you gotta get to a place in your faith where you just make yourself vulnerable to God. You say, God, here I am. This is what you got to work with. God says, I know. All I wanted you to just give me the green light. When you make yourself vulnerable. It ain't about your credentials, it ain't about your past, it ain't about if you got the ABCs in order, it's just about faith, baby. It's just about faith. I've almost got some of my teenagers realizing that they can lay hands on the sick, and they be healed in Jesus' name. It's about faith. In weakness comes strength, folks. Verse 15, so he said to him, "Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Get in speaking. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Oh, Jesus. There's the angel of the Lord, and some theologians believe when the the Bible says the angel of the Lord, I mean, it's almost like God himself is standing there. And Gideon is still so distracted. How many of you know the enemy wants to distract you? Some people believe that the burning bush was burning the whole time. He just didn't see it until he stopped and had faith. Come on, catch that this morning. Come on, in weakness he is made strong. In weakness comes strength. Some of you think your weakness right now is just controlling and damaging your life. No, this is one of the most powerful moments of your life. If you realize that God wants to use you and your weakness, not so you can get any glory, it's all about him receiving all the glory. Because if Gideon had it all together, if he had the breastplate on and he, he, he had a, a cabin built out in the, the wilderness and, and, and the angel showed up and Gideon was like, all right, I knew you was going to be here. I got this under control. This thing wouldn't have played out. But Gideon had to be in a mess. Gideon had to be in a mess for this thing to play out the way God wanted it to play out. Verse 16. Verse 15, I'm sorry. He said, I'm the weakest. I'm the weakest in my family. Some of you feel that way. Some of you just got out of Thanksgiving. You feel, you sit at that table, you sit in that living room that whole day, and some of y'all thought, man, I I just ain't got together. Everybody else got together. They got jobs, they're making money. I'm just the weakest in this family. That's the enemy speaking to you. Gideon said, I'm the weakest in my family. I'm the least of my father's. 2 Corinthians verse 12, chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's powerful. Verse 16. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who talk with me. Gideon wanted a sign. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. The angel of the Lord said, I'll wait. Why? Because Gideon was gonna give him an offering. Even though all hell was breaking loose, even though Gideon didn't have it together, Gideon had faith. Verse 19, Verse 19, so Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out to him under the turban tree and presented them. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. The angel of the Lord received the offering. Verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear, you shall not die. God said, you shall not die. Somebody needs to hear that today, this morning. You shall not die. God said, you shall not die, you shall live. You shall not die, you shall live. Verse 24, so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it it, the Lord is peace. Everybody say peace. Jehovah Shalom. He is the God of peace. Some of you have never experienced peace like that. Some of you hadn't experienced peace in years. He is the God of peace. And in your weakness, you can be at your most peaceful place. Lord is peace. Verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him, but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it, by day he did it by night. Isn't it amazing one of the first things of Gideon's obedience was to get all the crap out. So get all the distractions out. That wasn't Gideon's distractions. It was his family. You're talking about a scary thing. He had to go in daddy's closet and empty out the closet. Get it all out and gone and destroy it. But he was faithful. He was faithful. Some of the best times to just get your life right is when you're at your weakest point. Just get all the stuff out. You know the stuff. I know the stuff. Just get it out in Jesus' name, amen? Verse 28, and when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was an altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die. Because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said, Gideon's dad, said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a god, lowercase g-o-d, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubbabel, saying let Baal plead against him because he has torn down this altar. Verse 33, then all the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Verse 34, oh, Jesus, hear this. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Hallelujah. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Aborazites gathered behind him. Then the noise came. Then he was excited. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The verb came upon literally means in the Hebrew to clothe with, to shroud yourself with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody, to shroud yourself with the Holy Spirit. Verse 35. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. Almost done. Verse 36. So Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. God can take your testing as long as you're obedient, as long as you're faithful. As long as there's faith there, he can handle that. Because you know what that means? I told the young people Wednesday, you know what it means? God's okay with you testing him. God's okay with you coming to him in prayer time and saying, God, show me this. God, I need to see this. You know why God's okay with that? Because you're praying. You're communicating with the Father. We got to redefine what prayer is. Prayer's not always, God, give me A, B, C, and D, and God, why did you do D, E, C, and F? Prayer's just saying, God, I need to see you. Show me your glory. Gideon said, I have faith, but God showed me. Verse 38, and it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. God's so good. Verse 39, then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Oh, I can see myself in that. God, I know that you've showed me multiple healings and you've showed me a bunch of people got saved and people got baptized in the Holy Ghost and, and, and these marriages have been re- re- all brought together and finance has been gotten order but god i need to see something else i just i'm not sure don't be angry with me how many of y'all's kids do that dad eli's the best dad man don't be angry with me for what i'm about to ask you like oh gosh what does that even mean what is he going to say that's what gideon was saying god don't be angry with me but just let me speak just once more let me test you again i pray he gets he makes it spiritual there God, let me test you again. Even though you've done all those things, let me, and I'm gonna pray just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground, let there be dew. And, and if you really dig deep in that, church family, you'll notice the connection between the fleece and the Jews and, and the ground and the Gentiles. Oh, that's powerful. But on all the ground, let there be dew. In verse 40, and God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. Wow, God showed him. I referenced this. Uh, Wednesday in Mark chapter 9 the man uh, had the boy that was was demon possessed and, and when he says Lord I believe but help my unbelief God can handle that you're in a weak part of your life right now it's weakest as maybe it's ever been God's okay with you saying God I believe you he knows you believe him but it's okay to say God help my unbelief help my unbelief I'm weak I don't have a job right now I, I, I'm a single mom, I'm a single dad. I'm raising two or three kids by myself. How can you use me? Because he's God. And the reason that he wants to use us in our weakest places is so that he can get all the glory. So he can look at that situation and go, how in the world did that just happen? And you can say, God. God. The Apostle Paul was the best. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The apostle Paul was very clear, very clear to his audience. First Corinthians chapter one. Shane, could I have you or Daryl come up and just play in the background for me? First Corinthians chapter one, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Hmm. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Come on, somebody. In your weakness comes strength. This is weak. This is weak. He's strength. That's why I can walk up here and I can grab hands with Kossi and I can grab hands with Lorraine, two of the oldest most anointed saints that this church family still has. And the outside world sees the wheelchair and they think, oh, that's a sweet, weak old lady. I would go to these two ladies when I needed prayer before I'd go to any of y'all. Because in their weakness, he's made strong. as a church we we gotta quit looking at the stuff that doesn't matter your looks don't matter there's not a specific Christian look that is gonna make you grow deeper in your faith first assembly needs every person that's in a seat right now to take their faith journey to a new level cause we got a lot of stuff to do now there's a lot of stuff coming I'm, just, I'm not praying for revival because it's just what I should do because I'm one of the preachers. I'm praying for revival because I know it's coming. And you've heard me say it. You read about the history of some of the great revivals that happened in some of these churches across America. They prayed and they prepared themselves before it came. And it's already happening. It is, I promise. Because we're seeing it firsthand. But we've got to be prepared and ready. And we can't be at that state of, God, but I'm weak. How can you use me? God, I'm 95 years old. I'm in a wheelchair. How can you use me? Because in your weakness comes strength. The apostle Paul finished it out. Verse 28, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. The things, the culture, and everything that gives up on, he's chosen you. That's why I love the connection we have with the other side. That's why I love the connection we have with, with, with the call and with biological parents is, and is the world says you're no good, you're trash, get out of here. And God says, no, those are the ones I want. Remind yourself, Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 to go get the one. I'll leave everybody that has it together and I'll go get the one that doesn't and start a church. And people will see my strength through that one. Because the 99 have it all together. They're not going to see my strength. They're going to see all the fleshly stuff that really doesn't matter. And the things which are not to bring to nothing that things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Stand to your feet this morning. Father, we know, God, how the story ends. God, we know that Gideon went on, Father, to to establish this great army. You know the story. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people was on his team to fight the Midianites. And God said, that ain't good. Let's dwindle it down to a couple thousand. Then let's dwindle it down to a couple hundred. Let's dwindle it down to 300. And then get in, you're going to take 300 people that are not prepared for what's coming, and you're going to face thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of equipped people ready to go. And we know the outcome. That's why when you look on a map and you see that itty bitty little country called Israel, and it's surrounded by ginormous countries, God has His hand upon that little bitty weak nation because people can look at that and say that don't even make sense In weakness comes strength I don't care if you just got saved there's not a timeline on your next step you just have to make yourself vulnerable I came to him 14 years ago, sit in his office, and I said, I'll do whatever. I'll wash the toilets, whatever. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll whatever. And the rest is history. All because at my weakest point of my life, he was made strong. So bow your heads this morning. And I just want you to be honest and open and make yourself vulnerable in the house of the Lord. Come on, it's right at the noon hour. But I really want this moment, I desire this moment, I believe God desires this moment. Because I looked in a lot of your eyes when I was preaching and, 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 and I know it's, it's, it's clarification that this word was right and that this word was for you. You're weak, you don't know how you can go through another season. We're in the holidays, some of you are joyful, some of you, this is a miserable time for you. You're weak, the household's crazy, it's never clean, the finances are out of order. Your relationship with your spouse is just teetering. You have somebody that's sick, all you can think about is the negative. God says, you're ready. God says, you're ready. Let me use you now. Let my glory shine through you now. It's your time. If that's you, I want you to just lift up your hand so I can see who I'm talking to this morning. Now I'm gonna ask you to be bold, but is it, is it really boldness if you're ready? Is it really boldness if you're honestly just gonna make yourself vulnerable? If, if it is be bold right now I want you to come down to these altars right now because that's part of making yourself vulnerable is you just put it out there God knows you don't need to come down here because God needs to see you he sees you but I truly believe I've been in church long enough I believe it I've seen it when you make yourself vulnerable and you step out man you guys get closer.